Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It's a pleasure to be with you. My name is Terence M. Stanton, and this is being recorded on Friday, February 25th, 2022. I would like to welcome our listeners in Hong Kong and Thailand. I saw that we have a couple new countries coming in on our analytics, so it's uh, a joy to have you with us. Thank you. I have a good friend whose parents are from Thailand. They're wonderful people. Let us begin the podcast, Our Lady's Podcast. It's her show. I am merely the host. With day five, or excuse me, I believe it's day six, actually, of the Holy Face Novena and the prayers associated with it. Oremos. In nomine Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Dear Lord, through the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, we offer these prayers in reparation for the sins which offend God the most in these modern times. The sins of blasphemy, the profanation of Sunday and holy days of obligation, and communism. And we will pray the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Glory Be. There's a nice Latin and English side-by-side translation in the Pray the Rosary booklet, which is available from the Fatima Center, located at Fatima.org. Pater Noster, quies in celis, sanctificator nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua sicut in celo et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum de nobis hodie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitibus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tuum mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus nunc, et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patri, et Filio, et Spiritui Sancto, sicut erat in principio, et nunc, et semper, et in secula, Seculorum. Amen. The Golden Arrow Prayer, dictated by our Lord to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre in reparation for blasphemy. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most mysterious and unutterable name of God be praised, blessed, loved, adored and glorified in heaven, on earth, and in the hells by all God's creatures and by the sacred heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. After receiving this prayer, Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre was given a vision in which she saw the sacred heart of Jesus delightfully wounded by the golden arrow as torrents of graces streamed from it for the conversion of sinners. Litany of the Holy Face Composed by Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, approved by Monsignor Morlot, Archbishop of Tours, 1847. Granted 100 days indulgence by Pope Pius IX, January 27, 1853. In reparation for blasphemies, for the conversion of sinners, in particular blasphemers, and for asking God any grace whatsoever, and I would like to pray for the conversion of Pope Francis. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. 
Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, hear us. Christ, graciously hear us. Holy Virgin Mary, pray for us. O adorable face, which was adored with profound respect by Mary and Joseph, when they saw thee for the first time, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which in the stable of Bethlehem didst ravish with joy the angels, the shepherds, and the magi, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which in the temple didst transpierce with the dart of love, the saintly old man Simeon and the prophetess Anna, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which was bathed in tears in thy holy infancy, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which, when thou didst appear in the temple at twelve years of age, didst fill with admiration the doctors of the law, have mercy on us. O adorable face, white with purity and ruddy with charity, have mercy on us. O adorable face, more beautiful than the sun, more lovely than the moon, more brilliant than the stars, have mercy on us. O adorable face, fresher than the roses of spring, have mercy on us. O adorable face, more precious than gold, silver, and diamonds, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose charms are so ravishing and whose grace is so attractive, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose every feature is characterized by nobility, have mercy on us. O adorable face, contemplated by angels, have mercy on us. O adorable face, sweet delectation of the saints, have mercy on us. O adorable face, masterpiece of the Holy Ghost, in which the Eternal Father is well pleased, have mercy on us. O adorable face, delight of Mary and of Joseph, have mercy on us. O adorable face, ineffable mirror of the divine perfections, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose beauty is always ancient and always new, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which appeases the wrath of God, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which makest the devils tremble, have mercy on us. O adorable face, treasure of graces and of blessings, have mercy on us. O adorable face, exposed in the desert to the inclemencies of the weather, have mercy on us. O adorable face, scorched with the heat of the sun and bathed with sweat in thy journeys, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose expression is all divine, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose modesty and sweetness attracted both the just and sinners, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which gave a holy kiss, to the little children after having blessed them, have mercy on us. O adorable face, troubled and weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, have mercy on us. O adorable face, brilliant as the sun and radiant with glory on Mount Tabor, have mercy on us. O adorable face, sorrowful at the sight of Jerusalem and shedding tears on that ungrateful city, have mercy on us. O adorable face, bowed to the earth in the Garden of Olives and covered with confusion for our sins, have mercy on us. O adorable face, bathed in bloody sweat, have mercy on us. O adorable face, kissed by the traitor Judas, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose sanctity and majesty smote the soldiers with fear and cast them to the ground, have mercy on us. O adorable face, struck by a vile servant, shamefully blindfolded and profaned by the sacrilegious hands of thine enemies, have mercy on us. O adorable face, defiled with spittle and bruised by innumerable buffets and blows, have mercy on us. O adorable face, whose divine look wounded the heart of St. Peter with a dart of sorrow and love, have mercy on us. O adorable face, humbled for us at the tribunals of Jerusalem, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which didst preserve thy serenity when Pilate pronounced the fatal sentence, have mercy on us. O adorable face, covered with sweat and blood and falling in the mire under the heavy weight of the cross, have mercy on us. O adorable face, worthy of all our respect, veneration, and worship, have mercy on us. 
O adorable face wiped with a veil by a pious woman on the road to Calvary, have mercy on us. O adorable face raised on the instrument of most shameful punishment, have mercy on us. O adorable face whose brow was crowned with thorns, have mercy on us. O adorable face whose eyes were filled with tears of blood, have mercy on us. O adorable face into whose mouth was poured gall and vinegar, have mercy on us. O adorable face whose hair and beard were plucked by the executioners, have mercy on us. O adorable face which is made like to that of a leper, have mercy on us. O adorable face whose incomparable beauty was obscured under the dreadful cloud of the sins of the world, have mercy on us. O adorable face covered with the sad shades of death, have mercy on us. O adorable face washed and anointed by Mary and the holy women and wrapped in a shroud, have mercy on us. O adorable face enclosed in the sepulchre, have mercy on us. O adorable face, all resplendent with glory and beauty, on the day of thy resurrection, have mercy on us. O adorable face, all dazzling with light at the moment of thy ascension, have mercy on us. O adorable face, hidden in the Eucharist, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which wilt appear at the end of time in the clouds with great power and majesty, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which wilt cause sinners to tremble, have mercy on us. O adorable face, which wilt fill the just with joy for all eternity, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, who takest away the sins of the world, spare us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takest away the sins of the world, graciously hear us, O Lord. Lamb of God, who takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Prayer. I salute thee, I adore thee, and I love thee. O adorable face of Jesus, my beloved, noble seal of the divinity, with all the powers of my soul, I apply myself to thee and most humbly pray thee to imprint in us all the features of thy divine likeness. Amen. Aspirations. O God, show us thy face and we shall be saved. Psalm 79, verse 4. Arise, O Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee from before thy face. Numbers 10, verse 35. Eternal Father, I offer thee the adorable face of thy well-beloved Son, for the honor and glory of thy holy name, and for the salvation of all men. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, whom thou hast given me. Our Lord asked Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre to repeat often the above prayer in union with him for the protection of Holy Church and her priests. Eternal Father, look upon the divine heart of Jesus, which I offer thee, to receive the wine of thy justice, that it may be changed for us into the wine of mercy. Powerful heart of Mary, refuge of sinners, stay the arrows of divine justice. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael, pray for us. St. Martin, pray for us. St. Louis, pray for us. May the holy names of Jesus and of Mary and of Joseph be known, blessed, and glorified throughout the whole world. Amen. The offering of the instruments of the Passion to the Father for the defeat of communists, Freemasons, and all revolutionary men. Eternal Father, I offer thee the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy Passion, that thou mayest put division in the camp of thy enemies. For as thy beloved Son hath said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. One can make this offering of the holy face for any intention. Our Lord said to Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, Nothing you ask in making this offering of the holy face will be refused to you. November 22, 1846. Let us continue, my friends, looking at Kennedy Hall's work from the Fatima Center, located at Fatima.org. This was his series about St. Joseph. 
It is the Catholic Masculinity Series. And the title of this article is called St. Joseph Model of Workmen. It was initially published on Tuesday, January 28th, 2020. And it begins as follows. This is St. Joseph's workshop, old and quaint. So we will enter for a little space and watch with loving eyes our favorite saint. As to and fro he moves about the place, his placid brow no trace of care betrays. A heavenly look of peace is resting there, how calm his face, how self-controlled his ways. His very attitude suggests a prayer. And that is from, if we consult our footnote, um, Mr. Hall says the poetry in this article is taken from a poem called St. Joseph's Workshop from a book called St. Joseph of Jesus and Mary by Father Mather Russell, Society of Jesus, 1898. Mr. Hall says, At the beginning of time, the Lord God took man and put him into the paradise of pleasure to dress it and to keep it. Genesis 2, verse 15. In part, Adam was created to work, to participate in the creativity of God through stewardship of the gifts bestowed on mankind by our Creator. In essence, Adam was a gardener, therefore work in the truest sense was ordained to be a blessing. And if I might interject here for a moment, one of the terrible things about what's been going on in the world is over the last two years is that men have been discouraged from working. Having their small businesses shut down, you know, stay at home, stay safe, all these ridiculous tropes. The government will give you money. We can't have that. There's this innate desire. Our Heavenly Father gives men to want to be providers, protectors, and leaders, no matter what our state is in life. I'm a bachelor, but married men, priests, single guys like me, everyone, that's in our nature. That's what our Lord gives us this burning desire to provide, protect, and lead. And especially for dads to provide for their wives and their children. And when we disincentivize work and incentivize sloth, that's evil. We should have a society, countries, cities, and towns that encourage men to work. And work hard. Of course, we need time for leisure, too. We're not robots. But one of the number one responsibilities of a father is to provide for his wife and children. And as I stated over the last couple of years, via this globalist cabal that has emerged in the world, it's been ongoing for decades, but it's really come to the forefront since... March of 2020, is to really encourage men to be docile, to be lazy, not to stand up and fight for themselves and for their families. Men need to be prayer warriors. When St. Padre Pio said, give me my weapon, his fellow priests knew exactly what he was talking about. 
He wasn't talking about a gun. He was talking about his rosary. I love to see these peaceful protests where people are out speaking their peace and they have signs and they're singing songs and that's wonderful, protesting the evil things that their governments are doing to them. But I would love to see men especially with those rosaries in their hands, leading their wives, leading their children in the most holy rosary. That's the weapon. That's the key. The rosary is the prayer of the gospel. We need to be saying it every single day. In each of her apparitions at Fatima, the one thing that Our Lady said every time was to pray the rosary every day. So like Dr. Marshall says, the mother of God sees fit to come down off of her throne in heaven and tell you to do something. It's a, it's a wise decision to do it. Mr. Hall continues, Nevertheless, at the fall, Adam is told by God that cursed is the earth and thy work. With labor and toil shalt thou eat thereof all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the earth. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the earth out of which thou wast taken. For dust thou art, and into dust thou shalt return. Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. What we see here is that Adam's work now entails punishment. Clearly, work itself is not evil, for God created Adam to work in the Garden of Eden before the fall. However, having sinned mortally, Adam thus cut himself off from the divine life. Man's work apart from God has now become a curse. If I can add something here as well, that's absolutely right. If we don't have the right attitude, then work can become a drudgery. Get back to the wonderful sayings of St. Jose Maria Escrivá, the founder of Opus Dei, the work of God. He said, wherever you are in your life, that's your offering to Almighty God. If you're in the office, your office space, what you're doing, you do that work for God. You're a mom at home changing a diaper. You do that work for God. You're a priest offering the most holy sacrifice at the altar, doing that for God. No matter where we are in life, no matter who we are, no matter what we are doing, all of our work is important to God. Everything matters to him. Every single thought, every single word, every single action that we do is important to our Heavenly Father. So no matter our station in life, student, neurosurgeon, police officer, electrician, plumber, housewife, priest, religious, whatever. And anything and everything we're doing throughout the course of the day, we can offer that up to the Lord. Do everything for the Lord and do it with love.
again, St. Teresa of Calcutta doing little things with great love. And in reality, really nothing is little for, for God because if we're doing those things that seem small, you know, smiling at someone, asking them how their day was, helping out around the house, our parents or our spouse, we do those acts with great love. That's a really big deal to the Lord. Mr. Hall continues, It is true that God may confer punishments primarily to apply divine justice, but there is always a corrective element in God's punishments and chastisements, which is intended to bring about great good. Depending on the gravity and frequency of sin, God, in his infinite wisdom, will calibrate punishments accurately. With God, the punishment always fits the crime, and the punishment even serves to correct the root causes of the sin. In the case of Adam, the punishment is severe due to Adam's clear knowledge of God before the fall, but it is also a corrective path of redemption for man. In this punishment, we see hints of the coming of Christ and his passion and death. Thorns and thistles remind us of the crowning of thorns. The sweat calls to mind Christ's agony in the garden, and the bread points to the coming Eucharist. Salvation is a process, and throughout thousands of years, the Jews worked through the ripple effect that emanates forth from the original sin. Throughout these unseen years, men had to navigate through the curse of Adam as they grappled with the paradoxical combination of both the dignity and the suffering of daily work. We can all relate to the fact that working is good for the soul, while at the same time a cause of great stress or hardship. Even if we have jobs that are fulfilling, there will always be moments of displeasure and anxiety. Since work is a tool of corrective punishment, we must approach our obligations with the proper disposition. If we view our daily tasks as meaningless unpleasantries, then doubtless we will become bitter and fail to cultivate any virtue. On the contrary, if we resolve to be sanctified through our jobs, we will develop an honorable Christian character. That's exactly right, and I couldn't agree more with Mr. Hall. Again, getting back to St. Jose Maria Escrivá. Any and all work that we're doing can be sanctified if we're doing it for our Lord Jesus Christ. If we're just sort of going through the motions, getting a paycheck, whatever. I mean, yes, obviously we need money to provide for ourselves, provide for our families and so forth. But if we just see it as uh, this endless series of things that I have to do, that's no way to go through life. You begin to feel like a machine. You begin to feel robotic. And your dignity as a human being feels like it's diminishing. And it's okay to want to maybe have a better job or do something else for a living if you're in a certain situation that you don't like. But while you're at the work that you're at, do it to the best of your capabilities and do it for the Lord. I remember Father Rutler on EWTN. He's a very solid priest in New York City. And he was talking about one time a, a woman telling him about this man who was a dentist and what a great Catholic he was and you know, he was a very virtuous guy. And Father Rutler said, that, oh, that's great if you're, you're recommending him, but you know, what kind of dentist is he? 
In other words, yes, it's important to be the best Catholic we can possibly be. And hopefully we're praying the rosary every day and attending mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation and reading sacred scripture and doing works of charity. But in our work itself, how are we accomplishing those tasks? Are we trying to be the best dentist we can possibly be? Or the best firefighter we can possibly be? Or the best housewife we can possibly be? The best priest we can possibly be? Doing whatever task the Lord has assigned to us at that particular moment in time and doing it to the best of our ability for his glory, that will benefit us immensely and in both the spiritual realm and psychologically as well. We begin to feel better about ourselves. We begin to feel better about what we're doing because we're doing it for love of Jesus Christ and there's no higher intention than that. Mr. Hall continues, St. Paul exhorts us to pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. Therefore, we must somehow incorporate prayer into our daily work in order to achieve this mandate. But how is it that we can do this? It cannot be that we must, for example, recite rosaries all day, something practically impossible. In addition, some jobs require great mental acuity and therefore great focus on a particular task, rendering the contemplation of God by man impossible. To answer this challenge of unceasing prayer is to make your work a prayer. To do this, one should consciously offer up his labor to God. Do this every day, for example, with a morning offering. One should also labor with the right intention, namely the glory of God, the salvation of one's soul, and the fulfillment of one's duties of state. It is also of great advantage to take brief prayers, excuse me, to offer brief prayers throughout the workday. These can take a second, such as Jesus have mercy, or St. Joseph pray for me, or any of the Fatima prayers of reparation. The second footnote here says, along with a virtuous work ethic, it is also possible to insert some prayer into your work day. The Angelus is a perfect prayer to insert at your lunch hour. Decades of the rosary can be prayed throughout the day, and visible sacred symbols keep our minds focused on God. There is an old tradition of Catholics praying one Hail Mary at the beginning of the hour, a way of blessing their time. All of us could do this. Naturally, one would make every effort to ensure that his labor is not a cause for sin and would even avoid, flee from, the temptations which, the labor, which his labor might present. Yet without sanctifying grace, daily meditation, and a recollected spirit, it is impossible for man to fulfill St. Paul's exhortation. Fortunately, God has provided St. Joseph as the perfect model for us to follow in this pursuit. See how unceasingly he plies his trade. His heavenly saw is heard from hour to hour. St. Joseph's work went well because he prayed. Here is a lesson. Prayer gives work its power. Labor and prayer, his twin companions are, and they are comrades also to us given. Will they not sanctify and lift us far above the stairs? that line our path to heaven? A prayerful work ethic is a great bulwark against complacency and idleness. No matter our jobs, we will spend many of our waking hours working. We must seek ways to make holy our workdays in order that our sinful inclinations will be perfected. Finally, 
in our culture that is increasingly hostile to the gospel. A truly masculine Catholic man can make Christ known through the way he carries himself at work. Our actions and performance may be the only gospel our co-workers have ever seen. St. Joseph, model of workmen, pray for us. Note, here is a prayer from the Recolta, number 478, which one can pray each day before starting work. O glorious St. Joseph, pattern of all who are devoted to toil, obtain for me the grace to toil and the spirit of penance, in order thereby to atone for my many sins, to toil conscientiously, putting devotion to duty before my own inclinations, to labor with thankfulness and joy, deeming it an honor to employ and to develop by my labor the gifts I have received from Almighty God, to work with order, peace, moderation, and patience, without ever shrinking from weariness and difficulties, to work above all with a pure intention and with detachment from self, having always before my eyes the hour of death and the accounting which I must then render of time ill-spent, of talents unemployed, of good undone, and of my empty pride and success, which is so fatal to the work of God. All for Jesus, all through Mary, all in imitation of thee, O Patriarch Joseph. This shall be my watchword in life and in death. Amen. So ends that article, and I would like to conclude with something that was published today at the Fatima Center website located at Fatima.org by Hugh Owen entitled, Urgent Need to Consecrate Russia to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. Good out of evil. The escalating conflict in eastern Ukraine has brought the world to the brink of another global war. But could our Lord bring good out of this evil situation? Indeed, he can. In fact, the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine has created an unprecedented opportunity for the Ukrainian Catholic bishops to persuade Pope Francis to consecrate, in union with all the bishops of the world, Russia by name to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. While Francis has not shown himself to be a friend of tradition, he has shown himself to be responsive to human suffering. Looming World War III? The humanitarian crisis in the Ukraine has now affected millions of people there, including civilians, and it is worsening. As a result, the Ukrainian bishops are now in a position to unite behind their leader, Major Archbishop Shevchuk, to show Francis the extent of the humanitarian crisis in their nation, to acknowledge the humanly hopeless character of the situation, and to confess that only God and the Blessed Virgin Mary can obtain peace for the region before the war between Russia and the Ukraine escalates into a third world war. Ask for the consecration. In these circumstances, if the Ukrainian bishops were to ask Pope Francis to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary with all the Catholic bishops of the world, especially if they were to make this request public at the same time that they present it to the Pope, it is hard to imagine that the Pope could deny their request in the face of so much human suffering with everything to gain and nothing to lose. Let us pray and sacrifice that the consecration will be done as Our Lady of Fatima requested and as soon as possible, and that if it is God's will, the Ukrainian bishops will be able to persuade Pope Francis to make the consecration now. And there's also a note that says, learn about the consecration of Russia, Father Nicholas Gruner compilation on the consecration of Russia available at Rumble 
and also at YouTube. This is the most important thing in the world. That's why I believe the Lord put it on my heart to start this podcast dedicated to Our Lady of Fatima. It's her podcast. I'm just the host. Until this happens, and we know it will happen, but until the consecration of Russia by the Pope and all the Catholic bishops of the world takes place, we are going to continue to have wars and all sorts of other problems in the world. Our Lady said that only she can help us. It's the way Jesus has set it up. He wants the whole world to know that it's because of her Immaculate Heart and the consecration to her Immaculate Heart that Russia will be converted and that we will have a period of peace because he's the best son there possibly is or ever will be. No one keeps the commandments better than him. The fourth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother. He wants his heavenly father glorified. He wants his earthly father, his foster father, St. Joseph, honored. And he wants the Blessed Virgin Mary to receive very great honor and all the praise for what takes place when the consecration happens. And you will literally see miracles, my friends, because she is so powerful and so loving and her heart is united. Her Immaculate Heart is united with Jesus' Sacred Heart and also with St. Joseph's Most Chaste Heart. Let us conclude with a prayer to honor Our Lady of Fatima and a prayer to honor St. Joseph. Oremus. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora per nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Prayer to St. Joseph for a soul in purgatory by Father Donald Calloway. St. Joseph, reigning in heaven with Jesus and Mary, intercede for the souls in purgatory. Today in particular, I ask you to turn your gaze to the soul who is most forgotten in purgatory. This soul longs to see the face of God, O good Father. Ask the Holy Trinity to take this soul to the glory of heaven today. Remember me, St. Joseph, when I die. I beg you to be prompt in delivering me from purgatory so that I can see you, Jesus, and Mary face to face. Amen. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening to this episode of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. Please share this podcast with everyone you know. Please pray your rosary every single day and help others to pray the rosary as well. Goodbye and God love you.